You know, our, our church is blessed to have uh, an opportunity to be a mission field here in our community. And, uh, but we also support and we're a part of uh, partnering with people all over the world. And today, uh, I'm going to ask Tracy Tuning in about 10 seconds to come up here and share with us what has happened in China and her new adventure and what she is doing. And then after that, we are so blessed. Luke Miller is going to bring the word of God today. As you know that in Labor Day weekends before, we've been blessed to have, I think, Brianna started and then Paul Adami and then last year, Mark Miller. And this year, uh, one of our youth ministers again is Luke is going to come and speak. But let me tell you, as a pastor, I am so blessed to be a part of young people that are saying, you know what, I want to help change the world for the kingdom of God. And so I want to ask Tracy to come up to the front and just to give us an update. Let's give our missionary a hand. Thanks. It's always great to come back here. Um, and I probably say this every time, and I'm going to say it again, because I so appreciate the years that I spent here at the chapel. Um, I've been in Asia for over 16 years, and... I really believe that the reason I could be in Asia, the reason that I can stand here today, is the people that invested in my life. Um, and Pastor John and Gwen, you guys, um, you equipped me to go out. And you didn't just keep me here to use for your own purposes of the church or something like that. You've always encouraged the dream inside of me. Um, I love this community. I love where you are. I love this church. Um, and I don't think God is a God of, here's China, here's Fort Worth, here's Dallas. I think he's a God of, of all the people of the world. And I don't think he sees the same borders that we see. I don't think he sees, oh, those are Chinese people. You go there. And okay, these are Americans. You go here. I, I don't think it quite works like that. I believe he sends us out um, to share his word with our little village, with our little community, wherever that is. So I want to encourage you in this area. I look over and I see the youth there, and I am so amazed and excited because I really believe that you can tell the heart of a church by the way the youth worship. And I saw you guys worshiping, and I was really encouraged. Um, that is your legacy. Your legacy isn't just in this room. Your legacy is as people grow up and go out and where they continue to serve God. Um, and I've been in China for the last 10 years, Vietnam before that. Um, and since I was nine years old, I've wanted to be in China. And lots of people have encouraged that dream. And I never thought I'd leave. I went to China thinking, this is it. I have arrived. God has given me this dream, and I'll be here forever. Um, and if you keep up with any of the news, you'll probably know that China is getting tighter and tighter. Um, for maybe the last 15 years, it's become more relaxed and more open. And maybe over the last year to two years, it's been starting to clamp down again, not just on Christians, um, on Muslims, on any kind of religion, and especially on foreigners. And God has given me lots of dreams of what I want to see happen in China. And we've been doing lots of work with orphans, with our village community, uh, with the city that we're in. And 
I had kind of a 20-year plan, a 20-year goal of what I wanted to see. We built a house and moved into a village and um, started doing kids' work. And my prayer and, and the friends that I work with, um, our prayer has been that that village would be known as a village that serves Jesus. And in China, that might not sound like a big goal, but in China, that's a pretty big dream. <laughs> that is not something that I could do or or that one of my friends could do. Um, but God is so much bigger. And I think when our dreams can be accomplished by ourselves, you're dreaming way too small. Our dreams should be God-sized. Our dreams need to be big enough that he can do something amazing. And that is really what we have seen in the last seven months. Um, our little village has kind of exploded into people coming to know Jesus. Um, it's exploded into something that's bigger than me or bigger than my little team. And just recently I had a friend come, um, another foreigner who I know, and he's like, I just want to tell you, all my Chinese friends keep talking about your village. And he was like, I don't know what you're doing there, but I'm hearing about miracles, I'm hearing about healings, I'm hearing about people coming to Christ and a church developing, and we just haven't heard this before. And that was probably the most encouraging thing I could have ever heard because it wasn't coming from my perspective or, or my friends who are doing it. It's coming from somebody totally outside. And what I thought would take 20 or 30 years has happened in eight years. And we have a little church growing in our village and a few weeks ago, I went and uh, spent some time with people, and there's a Chinese pastor and his wife who feel called to that village. They're not from that village. They are moving in as kind of missionaries to their own people, um, and they are taking over the discipleship and the, um, the really raising up of that little village. And I wanted to hold on to it. I wanted to keep it for myself. I wanted to stay. And it seems like everything that we've been doing, everything that we've been investing in, God has been raising up Chinese leaders to take it over. And one of my other um, real passions in life is for orphans, um, for kids that, that have nobody to fight for them, nobody to stand for them. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll step away from the village because as foreigners, we're actually attracting too much attention. So God brought the right people at the right time to continue that on. So I thought, okay, I'm going to stay in China and focus on the orphans. Um, and a few months ago, one of my close Chinese friends, she's worked for me for quite a while, she came and said, I feel that I want my life to be to help these kids to help these orphans. And I don't know what that means, but I, I want to do it. She is not a believer yet. She is very close. She often tells me she's not a believer yet. Um, <laughs> but um, I know that that seed is growing. But her and her husband have both quit their jobs to work with these kids full time. And what I thought was the last thing in China that I could cling on to and a reason to stay um, I have now handed over to her, and she is heading up all the work with the orphans that we do. And so my next question to God is, what now? I really want to stay in China, because China is my passion. And sometimes God gives us dreams, and we have to let go of them. Sometimes we have to hold them lightly, 
Because when we cling on to something really tight, it can't grow. It stays just the size that we are. Um, so God began to speak to me about letting go of these dreams, because they're all his anyways. Um, so in two weeks, I will be moving to England, um, the center of England, Nottingham, and I'm going to study social work uh, so that I can become more equipped to help orphans. Um, my dream is to work with Asian governments to improve orphan care, not just in one orphanage, um, but across the country. And it just so happens that the, the university that I felt God calling me to, they have a partnership with China and with Malaysia. And um, they actually have a campus in China. They don't offer the social work program, so I can't go there. But there are hundreds of Chinese who are studying at my university. Um, and in our little area that we're going to be living is a huge Chinese community. Um, and God has reminded me that he didn't just call me to the land of China. He called me to Chinese people. And Chinese people are everywhere. I meet them in fast food restaurants. I meet them in churches. I meet them on the street. There are Chinese people everywhere. Um, and God is no God of just borders. So I'm going to England. I'm going to be working, hopefully, with... Um, the Chinese students at my university. I don't have a big plan. I don't have an organization. Uh, but I have a really big God who loves people. And so that's what I plan to do for the next couple years. I now have three kids. Um, <laughs> they're all adopted. Uh, they're in kids' church. Um, but I brought David home about six weeks ago. Uh, he doesn't speak English yet, but you could go say hi to him anyways. Zoe speaks enough for both of them, so she would be happy to translate for you. Um, but God is so faithful. And I was thinking about the song uh, that was sung this morning about um, being confident in seeing the goodness of God. And we know that, that one day we will see his goodness in such a different way. But do you know right now, if you have eyes to see, you can see the goodness of God. He is doing amazing things. Um, so thank you for your support. Thank you um, for not just having a vision just right here in your own community. Thank you for investing in those of us who are on the other side of the world, who are doing things outside of these walls. Thank you for being a church that sees beyond itself. Uh, some of you, this might be the first time that you've uh, heard Tracy and what she's done for the kingdom of God. Let me tell you that to, to watch a young lady that is 14 be a part of the youth group and, and to grow and then have a calling into the ministry and, and then uh, to do what she's been called to do. Uh, at an early age, she, she saw an opportunity. And she did something about it. Uh, as a young lady, she babysat it. She did everything possible to get money, you know, to be able to go on a missions trip. Um, years later, uh, all the, the fruit is not even seen yet of the ministry that she has done in China, which, let me tell you, as a, as a pastor, not, not her father, she's a great father, but as a pastor, 
somewhat of a father. I'm very proud of Tracy. And Tracy adopted these three children. And I just want to just ask her, because sometimes you don't know everything that's behind. Uh, but Tracy has always had the ability to see the need and choose to meet the need instead of saying somebody else. And I just want to kind of tell us about your children and how God placed that upon your heart to adopt and needs and all the things. Um, I had no intention of adopting. <laughs> Actually, after working with street kids in Vietnam for five years, I said, kids are way too much trouble. I don't want any. <laughs> um, and I was in China, and actually, um, I had friends who were fostering a Chinese boy. They had fostered him for seven years. He called them mom and dad. Um, they promised to adopt him. And when they found out they couldn't, they decided to go back to England. Um, and he was going to go back to the orphanage at 12 years old. Um, and kind of a long story short, I was gutted. We did everything we could to find a family, and there was no family available. Um, and my sister said, how about you? And I said, no. <laughs> um, I had a very long list, and I think it was very valid uh, why I should not have to adopt. I had many reasons. Um, but, you know, God doesn't really care about our reasons. He doesn't call us because we're qualified. He calls us when we're willing. Um, and so I started to go through the process to adopt this boy. And in the middle of the process, a family came forward. And I thought, <laughs> it was one of those Abraham Isaac things, you know, God called me to sacrifice. I didn't have to. It was great. Um, <laughs> so I, I emailed the agency. I said, just want to let you know there is a family for this boy. I'll just kind of stay, you know, where I am with the paperwork. As long as he gets adopted, you know, I'm done. And they emailed back and they said, um, would you reconsider? There are so many kids in this situation. Uh, would you reconsider? And I said, no. <laughs> no, thank you. I don't want to be a parent. I actually had plans to bring this kid to America and leave him with my parents to raise him. So I had no plans. <laughs> no plans to uh, have this kid for myself. Um, and so I would scroll down on their website, looking at his photo to see if he was matched. And every time I scrolled down this page, there was another little photo uh, that would jump out at me. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm just emotional, like all these kids. Um, so I would do this. Every couple days, I would scroll down. I would see this other photo. Uh, the next day, I would scroll a bit faster to get down to his photo. And when he was finally matched and we knew he had a family, um, I couldn't get this little girl out of my head. And so I emailed the agency. They were not my agency. Um, adoption is quite complicated. Um, they thought it was really cute that I wanted to adopt this girl. They said, you know, you're not able to. Thanks anyways. Um, so I waited about three months. I prayed for this little girl every night. And eventually her photo went off the website. And I was devastated. I'm like, I can't believe I'm devastated. This is not my kid. But I'll email again. So I emailed and I said, you know, can you just confirm this girl has a family? And they said, no, actually nobody wanted her, so we've transferred her file. And so I emailed that agency and they said, as long as you don't mind starting the whole process over again, which is a lot of time and money, um, they said, yes, you could try to adopt her. And so kind of another long story short, I adopted my first daughter, Yana, 
um, four years ago. She was the little girl in that photo. <laughs> um, we had a camp for HIV kids, and I was quite happy with my one child. <laughs> that was enough for me. We had these HIV um, orphans come, 12 orphans. They came and were with us for about five days. We hosted a camp. And on that trip, um, my daughter, actually, Yana, uh, fell in love with this little girl. And she's like, you really should do something for this little girl. <laughs> yes, Yana, we'll try and help all the kids. Don't worry. Um, so I offered for this girl to stay in our home for the summer. I thought, there's no way they'll let her stay, but I'll offer. And five minutes later, I had her backpack, and they said, we'll be back in six weeks to pick her up. And I had another child staying with us. Um, and I had no attachment, no connection. This was my daughter's little friend, and I thought we could help her for six weeks. Um, and six weeks later, the orphanage came to get her, and I asked if I could foster her full-time. First they said yes, and then the government found out about it, and they said no way. They came and took her, and the moment they took her, I knew that was my daughter. So I started the process again to adopt her. And on that same camp was a little boy who had stolen my heart. And I thought, well, you know, I'll find him a family. And I asked a few people, and they weren't interested. And every time I asked, I kind of felt this little twinge of, uh, maybe I don't really want to let him go. Um, so a long story again, I first adopted Zoe, my youngest, uh, a little less than two years ago. Um, she was the little girl that Yana fell in love with. And six weeks ago, I just adopted David, who was the little boy on that camp. Does anybody know how much it costs to raise a child? Another trait is Tracy knows the price, and she pays it. Um, at the end of the service, we'll give you an opportunity to, to give an offering to support her. And it, as much as I love what she's doing, I love her. And I, I trust her. And uh, when she said uh, in an email uh, from China, you know, I'm, I'm going to change and I'm going to go do this so that I can do this later in the ministry. You might want to move your support to another missionary. I said, oh, oh no. No, no, you can't get out of it that easy. We want you as an investment, and we're going to invest in you because we know that you're good fruit. You're a good place to invest in. So God has done some great things. You know, as you see these world changers coming as young adults into the ministry, and and I know that, as I said, that uh, Tracy was you know, about 14 when I met her and in the youth group and playing the drums and, and being willing to do anything pretty much in the church. Just just let me know what you need. Uh, one week we had her play the drums, and, and I say this every time she comes because it's it's the ultimate. You know, some kids go, you know, uh, you know, in the world, I'm saying not in our church, but in the world they might say, you know, uh, I've got to have a spotlight on me and I've got to have this and I've got to do it. She said, just let me know what. And, and that week we didn't have a drummer or we didn't have all the drums set or something. Well, she ended up playing the drums with actually these big uh, ladles, which are like big spoons. And she played, and, and I don't know about you, but I can't even play the, I, can, I have problems just clapping, you know, on beat. 
but but let me tell you, that, that's kind of heart that she has, and and to take it to a point where she goes, you know, I see a need, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to help in that area. So God has done some great things in Tracy, and then our youth ministry is doing a great thing. Let me tell you, as young people from the neighborhood is also coming to our youth ministry. I want to show you this video, but before they show the video, I want to ask Luke, my son, my oldest son, to come, and he's going to present the Word of God. He says that because I'm supposed to be over that back there. I don't always do what I'm supposed to do, but I know what to do, but I don't do it. <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about taking opportunity, and before I start, I just want to say thank you, Dad, for the opportunity uh, to speak here today, to speak to my home church. Well, a lot of you guys have uh, known me from a young age to now uh, not so young age. I'm not old, but I'm not young anymore, and so I'm more, I'm more maintained, I should say. And my parents have helped me along that way. Um, it's, it's been great. So let, let's pray before we get started. God, today, as I speak, as everything that goes on from my lips, God, I pray that you help me clearly communicate your perspective to your people today. God, that everything that I say, let it be on point, let it be accurate, let it be straight from Scripture. We love you, God. Everyone said, Amen. So we look at Tracy Tuning's life, and I remember seeing her, uh, you know, admiring her from a young age. I mean, she played the drums so cool. She was just awesome. And we can see now in her life all the, the, the calling of God that she answered. We can see that no matter what happened, she was willing to meet a need. She saw it. She saw the people of Vietnam. She saw the children of China. And wherever she was, she decided, I'm going to go and meet that need. No matter what the price, no matter how much blood, sweat, and tears went into it, I'm sure it was painful to live over there just by herself. And she's got these kids now. But she didn't talk herself out of it. She took the opportunity that God gave her to be and meet those needs. And we see heroes like Tracy in our lives, whether it's a, a Marvel movie or it's a comic book or something special. These people, if it's a real life person, that somehow they got something special about them. And there's something that just makes them who they are. And we really could never get there, we could never reach it. It's really impossible and for so many reasons because they just saved the day. They saved someone's day and that's all true until Jesus came. Until Jesus a little hot here. Hopefully that's a little better. I'm not breathing on it. But until Jesus came and saved, really all of us, gave us the opportunity to save someone else, but not only their today, but their eternity. To save their today, tomorrow, and their forever. And because of that, we can be grateful. We can look at that not only because he saved the people then, but every single, every single generation until now. He made a way for us. And he gave us the opportunity to save someone, to be that hero. 
And in Luke 10, we'll be talking about in Luke 10, 25. There was on one occasion an expert in the law, an attorney. And he stood up to test Jesus. He stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies to him, well, you're the expert in the law. How do you read it? And the attorney looks to him and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I I can imagine the attorney smiling because he's trying to trick Jesus, remember. Because in a different setting, on a different occasion, there was someone that asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment? We talked about that earlier and we practice that every year, every day uh, that we come here to the chapel on Sunday. We, we love God, our vertical, and then we love horizontally our neighbor. And uh, a lot of times whenever my mom was testing me is whenever I would do something, she would say, okay, that's good. Uh, show your work. And so, whenever we say, we love God, well, Jesus is saying, show your work. Do you love your neighbor? Do you love the people that you can see? And so, he responds back to Jesus with his own words, and I can imagine him just thinking, okay, I got you. And Jesus replies, do this and you will live. Do this and you will, you will have eternal life. But the man wants to justify himself. He's trying to get Jesus in just a certain way. Get him specific. So he goes, who is my neighbor, Jesus? And in perfect fashion, in perfect Jesus manner, any complicated question, he answers with a story. And Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped off his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to that place, saw him and passed by on the other side. So a pastor and the worship leader, I don't know if they're going to church, but they both, they both passed them. And so Jesus goes on and he says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And whenever he saw him, he took pity on him. In 34 it says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds. Then he took the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. See, right now in the audience as Jesus is talking, everybody's quiet. Everybody is a little bit thrown off because what Jesus is saying here is if he would have taken a poll and he would have, instead of answering the question right out, and he would have gone, well, what do you guys think? Who will inherit eternal life? Out of all the people in our society, who would you think? And they would have gone, well, of course. It would be the pastors. It would be the priests. It would be the Levites because they spend so much time with God. They spend so much time in Scripture. They know exactly what to say, exactly what to do, and they know all about God, and they tell us about God. And so they, of course, would have said that, but Jesus is showing them in Scripture. No, 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 no. These men that say they love God so much are actually doomed because they don't love their neighbor as their self. If we go back in 34. He went to him and bandaged his wounds and then he put him on the donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And then in 35 it says, the next day, everybody's like, okay, hold on now. The next day, Jesus, you're saying that not only he took him out of that situation, but then the next day he stayed with them all night? 
he took two denarii, two silver coins, gave it to the innkeeper, and said, look after him. I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you might have whenever I come back. And so everybody's looking and going, there's not anyone clapping. No one's going, Jesus, that's an awesome message, man. That was, oh man, this just moved my heart. Everybody's looking at him going, well, hold down now. Because anybody, whenever Jesus is saying, the robbers came and beat him, they're automatically thinking, probably this Jewish man was beat up by Samaritans. They were coming and they beat him up. And maybe they saw the Samaritan coming behind them, so they were thinking, but Jesus takes the whole thing. And is this not true in our lives? Whenever we see or hear about something, some some act or some crime that we automatically think about someone, about who they might be, and we automatically fill that blank before we even know. But Jesus is making this man, not that you would be, not that you, the Jew, would help a Samaritan, but the Samaritan, the person that you would think is, he is the one that actually is reaching out and meeting that need. So Jesus looks at the attorney, and I can imagine him, the attorney, just just in awe. What, 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 what is going on? And in 36 it says, Jesus replies to the attorney and poses the question, Which of these three, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The attorney is just shocked now. I can feel the frog in his throat as he's going, Why did I ask such a dumb question? And it's just, it makes it even worse because it's a simple one. It's not like, well, maybe, uh, I don't know. I mean, he knows pretty well what, what he should say. And in 38, the attorney replies. Did I have 38? Or was that 37? I'm sorry. In 37. Hallelujah. The expert replies to him, the one who had mercy on him, because he can't even reply or even say a Samaritan because that's just too much. And Jesus, I can imagine, smiling at him, says, go and do likewise. See, we look at this Scripture if we're not careful and we just read through it, but there's so many things in there that Jesus is saying. There's so many things whenever He's asking, who? was the one who was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. Who was he really? What did he do? He was the one who saw a need and met it. He was the one who knew the price and he paid it. The one who didn't talk himself out of it. The good Samaritan, he was the one who saw a need and he met it. He was the one who knew the price and he paid it, he was the one who didn't talk himself out of it. He was the one who saw a need and he met it. The one who knew the price, whatever it was, and he paid it. He was the one who didn't talk himself out of it. And see, the good Samaritan, what he did, is he didn't only take care of his problem, his present situation, but he took care of his past, what already had happened to him. He took care of that. He took care of his present. Any taking care, okay, I'm going to pay for everything, and then I'll come back. 
I'll take care of anything else that he needs until he gets well. And isn't that what Jesus did for us? Isn't that what he did whenever he came and he died on a cross? It cost him a lot more than some time and some money. It cost him his life. And we look at it so many times and we go, Jesus, why do I have to have mercy on them? Jesus, they did this, they did that. And we look a lot of times like the priest of the Levite that goes, they deserve what they got. There's a reason why he's in that situation. He's bruised and bleeding, probably, Jesus, because God made him that way. But Jesus is clearly saying, no, 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 no. You have mercy on everyone. Not only is it the Jew that, you, of course that's your brother, but everybody in every nation, in every generation. And so this week, I ask you, who will you have mercy on? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a, a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. There's someone. Maybe it's someone that you don't even like, that they don't like you. Who do you need to have mercy on? It might be crazy to ask, would you be intentional with five people this week? Just do one. Jesus was intentional with one and He saved me and He saved you. Who will you have mercy on this week? Let's pray. God, we ask You that You give us perspective on the real issues of the matter. God, no matter what it costs us, we ask that You help us answer Your call, Lord. God, if it costs us our pride, if it costs us some frustration, God, whatever it might be, we lay it on the altar and we give it to You today. We ask You to, Lord, partner with us. God, help us. Help us, Lord. Be the one who knows how to meet a need when we see it. That we can pay the price no matter what it costs us, Lord. And strengthen us so we don't talk ourselves out of it. Lord, help us to take the opportunity to save someone. We love you, God. We say all these things. Amen. Praise God. You don't know how valuable a woohoo is until you're up here. Very proud of my children. Thank you, Luke, for that message. And I just <laughs> All right. Well, I want to I want to say that uh at this time we're going to take up the Lord's uh tithes and offerings and then next week we'll uh, join in in the Lord's supper. Um, but this morning, as we prepare our hearts to give, and, and I mean that, prepare our hearts to give, we want to see a need and meet it. We want to, second one, put those back on there. Those second needs. Will you do that, Jeff? Saw a need and meet it. Paid the price and paid it. And wasn't talked out of it. Look at that. 
Man, that is good stuff right there. And maybe some of you need to take a picture of that. Because as I've said many times, the, the word poor means we're passing over opportunities repeatedly. And, and when an opportunity presents itself, a lot of times we have one of those that we do not want to do, or we let the third one, we talk ourselves out of uh, doing anything about it. Um, the need that is just in front of you and uh, an opportunity is to support our missionary today. And we want to do that with everything that we have. And as our church is growing and as we, we're seeing people uh, ministered to at Axiom Coffee, I, I really believe that it is more than a coffee shop. And, and if we can see that as almost like an outpost that people are coming to us, I'm I'm excited to be a part of that. I'll just tell you that. Man, amen, amen. So let's pray this morning as we take up the offering and the tithes. Father, thank you. God, we've been blessed to be a blessing. And Father, as you have given us so many things in our life, Father, not just what we need, but so many things of what we want. You have blessed us as a great and generous Father. And Father, we want to give back and we want to continue to be generous on every occasion that we don't pass over opportunities repeatedly, but God, that we always say yes. In your wonderful name we pray, amen. As ushers are serving you, remember young adults, September 15th, 6 o'clock. Young adults, September 15th, 6 o'clock. And then also remember that uh, next week is our start uh, here series as we start here and it's an opportunity to start your faith if you have somebody that is not a believer that you're in relationship we encourage you to invite them it's one of those things that if you wait and wait and wait you'll pass over an opportunity invite your loved ones your friends your co-workers and so forth then Gwen is going to give us a little bit more information on I said this, you heard that. All right. Well, we're really excited about our new Christian education series. And um, for you to get the most out of this series, I recommend that you purchase uh, a study guide because it does have reading that will be outside what you, is presented on Sundays. So the those are back there at the back, and we can order extra if those are all sold today and have those ready for you next week. I said this, you heard that. At the end of this study, you will know what words you need to hear. What what words you need to hear, how how you're wired in a in a way to hear certain things, and why certain things irritate you, you know? So it's a great way. John recently finished a, a series of teachings on loving your neighbor. What this series is going to help us in is what does that look like? You know, what does that look like day in, day out? So you'll figure out words that your loved ones need to hear from you, words that you're most likely to use as weapons. So you'll be aware of those in a new way, words that will wound your loved ones. So come be a part of this great teaching next week. Here's what how, how it's going to go down. Everybody's going to meet in here at 930. This will be our opening session. Beyond next week, we'll be meeting in various places on the campus at Axiom Coffee in here in the Refuge Building. So our small groups will then be uh, 
around the campus. But next week, we're starting here, and we're serving you breakfast. So why don't you come for coffee and donuts and be a part of this great study. If you are here today and you're interested in going to the women's retreat, I encourage you to sign up if you haven't yet. Next week on Sunday is the last day to register and receive the early bird pricing or for me um, to actually complete the group registration. So make sure you do that by next week. If you would choose to um, register on your own, you can, of course, do that online. But um, do register before that early bird pricing is uh, has gone by the wayside. Why did you stand with me? Thank you for coming today. What a great day. John says these books are $15, so you can purchase them today right back there. Um, they'll be available again next week. But um, first cut come first serve on that. So let's pray and be dismissed. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. How many of you, you're off tomorrow? Got a three-day weekend? All right. Good. A lot of people off school, off work. Well, enjoy your weekend. May the Lord bless you and show you ways to show show mercy as you spend time with family and, and then go on to work on Tuesday and beyond. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to come and sit um, before your word and to also hear and Uh, See what you're doing in the world beyond our the four walls of our church. Lord, we pray a blessing on Tracy and all of the other missionaries that this church supports. And Lord, we just thank you that we're able to be part of something um, that you've called us to be part of uh, here in this community and then around the world as well. So we just thank you for that. I pray blessing on everyone here today that you would just make the week ahead and the days ahead um, be a, a just a, an amazing week, time with family, time with friends. Lord, I pray that we'd be the employees that you've called us to be. And Lord, that you would just fulfill your purpose in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.